0: Welcome to Panelism, the podcast where we talk about comics, graphic novels worth having on your shelf. And today we've got more. It's one of those shows that we're just going to jump into. It's, it's like a classic show. I'm Taylor Trask. I should probably introduce myself, by the way. Oh, and I'm Todd. <laughs> and, and Todd is here too. Yes. This is going to be more like a classic uh, Todd and Taylor show episode. If you go back into our archive, which many of you do, we, we, I'm always surprised to see how many people like listen to some of our very old episodes for the first time in our stats it's crazy but like those early episodes was uh, we put those out under a banner called the Todd and Taylor show that's what this whole thing was originally called and we literally started it because Todd and I kept having these protracted conversations where we just get into the the weeds on a lot of geeky things and one of us
1: um, I forget who was just like let's just record these and I I feel like that all credit for that goes to you well maybe but like it's a great idea but we started.
0: What was the first one? It was right after. was it Age Avengers, of Ultron. It was
1: Ultron. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. That just seems like that seems like ancient history now, especially in the MCU. Like that seems like that almost seems like that predates Iron Man One, in my timeline. I, just, it almost I,
1: seems that way. I agree, for a variety of reasons. Um, well, and I've but, revisited Iron Man One so many so much more than Age of Ultron. I'm sure you know have what, too. I absolutely have.
0: But I mean, what was? It's not that Ultron was necessarily a bad movie, but it doesn't no, have... Do you think it is?
1: <laughs> well, it's, I think that show is... The, our show is so notable to me because I, it's one of those hilarious things of like I famously declared, like, I like this better than the first Avengers movie.
0: That's right. And yeah. then
1: did not watch it for another like six years. And during mm-hmm. that time, saw the original Avengers over and over. You know, so like proving myself wrong... Mm-hmm. Um, and have since gone back to it. and I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? So I don't think it's maybe it's not bad, but it is not. It's not good. good. It's not great. Which is like, uh, in, uh, yeah, it's like, yeah. I mean, if you compare it to other,
0: you know, other movies of the Marvel caliber, it's definitely in the bottom tier, in my opinion. Because it's, I mean, for a variety of reasons. Number one, it, you can't unsee James Spader walking around as Ultron, like with his James Spader-y, Spaderisms and all of that, like right. that. And, and and Frank, we're probably just going to rehash what episode one of the Todd and Taylor show was. So I don't want to do that. Um, yeah. By the way, if you want to know what our thoughts are uh, at the time on Age of Ultron, go back to episode one or two.
1: Zero, well, actually, one or I think two. it's called like zero. Yeah. Or episode zero zero? five or something. Yeah. We Maybe talk a lot, a lot about of, uh, Ultron. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I agree. But we're we're going to do that same thing today. Like the, something uh, pop culture really related we couldn't ignore. And that's right. We had thoughts.
0: And and just so, you know, you saw it in the title, but just in case you didn't see the title, we will be talking about the Snyder Cut of Justice League, Uh, that all coming up right after this. But I think you had (laughs) had pitched me an idea beforehand um, to just kind of get a a potluck going of of shows and things that we are watching lately to kind of warm us up for Snyder Cut. And you had mentioned one that I'd heard of, but I hadn't seen. You want to talk about that?
1: Yeah, sure. Like I, I've been watching the Luminaries. Um, it is on Stars, uh, which is an app I previously only knew as the thing I subscribed to for a month to get disappointed in American Gods with. Um, and <laughs> oh, was
0: it disappointed?
1: Uh, also, shocking news: they're on season three of that, <laughs> or Jesus. there are three seasons out, or something. I don't know what's going on. Um, but yeah, Luminaries is uh, it's it's a mystery. Um, and I think the trailer does a great job of setting the mood for it, but it's definitely one of those things of where I didn't feel like the trailer, uh, I, I had a, like a misapprehension of what the show would be about from the trailer, and it. Uh, I'm just really into it. And I'm, I like the way they're um, doling out clues and then resolving them like some, you know. It's just a great exercise in like that thing we talked about with Game of Thrones where sometimes there'd be this huge cliffhanger that never gets resolved, you know, and sometimes Mm -hmm. there'd be a cliffhanger which would take 13 episodes to get resolved. There never was like a cliffhanger that got resolved within the episode, but Luminaries is doing a good job of like sometimes, you know, you see a clue and then it like gets resolved a few scenes later and you're like, oh, cool. So I am connecting things correctly, you know, you're not you don't feel like they're manipulating you. It's like you feel like I could put this whole thing together if I just had enough time. So isn't it really nice
0: to kind of be reminded like what shows used to be like when they right. they asked and answered questions in the same episode for once. You're right. so like, "Oh, that used to be the thing. That used to be the standard thing." And then Lost screwed it up for everybody. It just did, this does these.
1: have a lost feel to it. I will it say that. Although it takes place in 1865 in New Zealand, which is really cool, just, you know, it's like uh gives it a setting that's like foreign to us Americans but um but familiar enough you know uh but it does have this lost feel to it and I don't know and it's because there's a it's a timeline jumper oh I was gonna
0: ask is there some kind of sci-fi element because I'm looking at the pictures and it looks like something really cool that might have magic or something but then I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry and it just seems like a historical drama of some kind so it's
1: yeah and it's it's the way they're like the way the stuff the story's being told and and the way you're piecing it together has to do with these timeline Uh, and location jumps so sometimes it'll do that and you'll see the same character dressed radically different and for me that just gave me this like lost feel or the, the like jump and you'll see a character you didn't know was in that location and you're like what's happening now you know but um i was not the biggest lost fan only saw a couple seasons so i can't really speak to that but anyway
0: Now, you mentioned New Zealand. I have to just out of the gate ask, is Murray from Flight in the Concords, does he appear anywhere in this? Reese Darby, is he in this show at some point? He
1: he has not appeared yet, but I believe contractually as... Reese Darby he you know as ambassador for New Zealand to the world he's probably obligated to appear <laughs> at some point
0: I would imagine he's got at least a pop up even like as a hotel clerk or something just like or you know just just something where somebody has to like has to interface with him for some crucial reason it's like I might right
1: there, there he is. And I may people may not know this, but uh Reese Darby is a sound effect comedian. He is Wait, <laughs> is he? New is he really? New Zealand's answer to Michael Winslow. Yeah. Wait, are you serious? I did not know this. Yeah. I've seen him live. Yeah. I saw him at the well, improv. But I thought he just did stand-up, but he does like for sound
0: effects with his with his yeah. vocal ability. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: That's interesting <laughs> too, because
0: he I mean, I only know him from Flight of the Concords and then later later things like what we do in the shadows. But then my other favorite thing he's in. He does he's voice acting for the net the excellent by the way Netflix Voltron reboot um, that they did he's one of the main characters in that and I've you know he, he he's one of those actors where there's no way he can disguise what he truly is like you know right. you, you, he can't he's not a character actor in that way where I mean he's never gonna Gary Oldman himself into a part that you're like wait that's restart never gonna happen And I think hmm. in in that there's some comfort like when you hear his voice you're like ah, oh, it's one of those sorts of shows I'll, where it's just. I'll you, tell you, you know.
1: though, I thought that same thing about Steve Coogan, and damn it, if that guy isn't versatile, so don't hmm. let's not count restarby Darby out yet. If okay. he gets the right okay. role, he might be pretty meaty in it.
0: All right, I, I will. I will reserve that uh, for the time when that comes. So you, you found? How did you find Luminaires? Like, what, I guess you, we, you know, we've talked about things that you haven't watched offline, and then I'm just yeah. curious with all the stuff that you. You have to have on your list i mean what caused you to go you know what i'm gonna watch this right now
1: uh you know there was um it, there was you know an outside influence on it but yeah i ah, <laughs> um okay and i and it but i you know i did watch the trailer and think okay this is you know this looks like a thing i can kind of sink into and enjoy um I we've definitely talked about it cause we've like mentioned WandaVision and things like that, where there's some of these where I feel like some of these new shows, especially the Marvel shows or Mandalorian, where I feel like I've got to bring some kind of investment to it. And luminaries felt like I'm not, I don't have any outside investment in this. I'm not a fan mm. of this property or anything. So it was easy to just kind of soak it in rather than uh, feel like it's homework, you know?
0: Yeah. I was just going to say it it was probably more entertainment and less homework right right. Uh, I mean I worry that's where we are with a lot of these things where I still I mean I'm glad I watch WandaVision I'm glad I'm watching Falcon and Winter Soldier but there's other things I mean a little we'll get to this in a minute or two but you know Snyder Cut kind of felt a little like that where I'm like well I gotta watch it I guess Um, interesting just because it's like if I don't I will miss out on conversations and things and I wanted to as well but there was sort of a there was a little bit of an effort behind having to go okay this is the time I'm gonna do it here we go
1: uh, well, I mean, we'll t- we'll definitely talk about that, but first, I want to touch on what you've been watching.
0: Yeah, well, okay. So uh, while you were watching Luminaries, I I not discovered because I'd sort of been henpecking at it for the last year. I think, yeah, maybe not even that. Like since since last September, I've been henpecking at a show called The Magicians, which oh yeah right concluded. I mean, it was a sci-fi series, sci-fi sci-fi series that concluded uh, April of last year. For, you know, for good. Season five was their last and has been on Netflix just as long. Um, and then finally season five appeared on Netflix too. So I had been kind of henpecking at it. Um, Lev Grossman wrote a series of novels called The Magicians of, on which the show is based. And then they have done an excellent run of comics that are sort of prequel sequels to the show and books. Uh-huh. And that's where I sort of fall, fell into this. Um, they had a sequel, sequel comic series that came out right around the time the show was ending last year. And I uh, just picked them. They had really cool covers, the really interesting sort of themes. I picked them up. Really loved loved that. And I was like, wait, is this part of a bigger thing? Um, I read Alice's story, which is a graphic novel by the same people. That's kind of a kind of a prequel, also sort of a a, a point of view story that complements the books themselves. And then I was like, okay, well now I, I I love all this. Let me try the show again because I'd kind of pecked at it before a little bit. Didn't really get into it. Um, at the time I had sort of started in season one and then I ended up like kind of picking a season out of, or sorry, an episode out of, you know, season two or three just to see like where it's headed. Right. Um, and was kind of like, well, it seems interesting. But then once I had that comics context, um, and had having gone through those, went back to the series and actually, uh, started truthfully, I started it, uh, uh, at the end of season one. I'm just like, okay, let's see where this goes. And then kind of carried it through. And then I read online a lot of people going, you know, once you get past halfway on season two, from there to the end, it it really starts to flow. And that's correct. Um, so if you really want to get into it, I would say maybe start at season two, go back and pick up season one, because you can, hmm. you can they do a lot of, uh, so real quick, um, the whole story, the whole thing is like, what would happen if uh, the kids from Harry Potter went to college, basically is the, is the premise. So you get these college age kids, who go to a magical university called Breakbills in, uh, in America. It's an American thing. Um, and then imagine also in that same, in that same universe that uh, their version of Narnia, which they called Fillory, is real. And they can travel okay. to and from. And so you have this group of various 20-somethings um, experimenting with magic. Oh, oh, and the other twist. Imagine if Hermione Granger was rejected. So like the most talented one of all was told, "You can't come to school here. You're not good enough." What does she go off and do? And so like there's all these crazy little storylines. And the first season spends way too much time with them at college. As, as they as the seasons go on, they sort of break away from that, and um, you know they just kind of go off and, and have other adventures that aren't aren't so tied into the school thing. But the school is still there. It's just not sort of this omnipresent location, which actually works better when they do that. Um, but I fell in love with the show. I really started watching it, um, like I said, kind of through season two, and then you realize this is one of the best ensemble casts on since since Battlestar Galactica. Like it has that just it's just it's a bunch of of either no names or pe- you know actors with very very few credits before this show. And they're all, with the exception of one person, they're all really, really good. And they, they grow so much as actors and as characters as the thing goes on. So you really start to kind of fall in love with this cast. The only character that I don't think works as well is um, the actress who plays Alice. And Alice is sort of one of the main characters. And she has a really cool sort of version of her that lives in the comics that I liked. And the one that's on the hmm. TV show is just not... Uh, it's it's really off putting. It's not at all. Which is mm. she's she's whiny. The the actress who plays her has this just crazy one note delivery on every single thing she does, and it's just she makes her less cool than she should be. And so I just you kind of have to get past that. But they introduce other characters that are just really cool. My favorite is a guy named um, oh shoot, I just forgot his name, Hale Appleman, <laughs> and he plays uh, he plays this character called Elliot, who by all means, I mean I'm I'm going on the record now. If that guy isn't cast as Reed Richards, something is wrong with the universe. Like, he is the perfect guy to play Reed Richards. Um, and mm. he does some crazy interesting things. In, spoilers, in season four, he actually gets possessed by a really dark force. And the way he plays possessed is something I have never, ever seen before. Like, in any actor who's been possessed. He kind of has this, like, Andy Kaufman kind of thing that he does, which is just really it's really intriguing. So that like that guy is gonna end up being in really cool stuff, hopefully going forward. But the whole show is just delightful. Like it has really cool. you know, like you know, it's it's a budget cable show. so there's there's some clearly some things that are kind of funny in terms of like you know, they, there would have been a battle scene here, but they they had to cut it for budget or there would have been a bigger thing here, but it had to be cut for budget, which, in 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 it's kind of good because then it makes makes the writing a bit stronger makes the character moments have to be stronger you know because when you can't have crazy locations and crazy effects which it has it has those things too It just you know compared to some of these really expensive disney shows um you're not going to get that all the way through but at the same time then you get to like have really quiet character moments a lot more often which i'm kind of craving anyway so really fun my other favorite character is this uh chick named Margot. Who's um, basically the female version of Rick Sanchez? Like she says some of the most hilarious things ever, and she's basically a feminine, like a female chauvinist. So every instead of saying um, like you know don't be a pussy, she says don't say it, don't be a nutsack. And then when somebody's like wait, don't you mean pussy? She's like pussies are tough, nutsacks are are you know, what they are. <laughs> so it's just like she's got this really, and she's best friends with Elliot. So like those two are my. My favorite characters, but I don't know. It's you're sorry. You were gonna say something. Okay.
1: No, I was gonna ask how many seasons are there altogether.
0: Five. And, and is it
1: still being made?
0: No. It's it, it was a okay. victim of that same sci-fi channel thing where they canceled the series too early. So you're gonna get to season five hmm. and love it, and then all of a sudden the finale is gonna hit, and it's like, am I witnessing the an entire sixth season occur in the course of like 50 minutes? Because right. it's just like it's just relentless. And you can tell that they're like, oh, shoot, we found out we're being canceled. They're not renewed. So we better do something to sort of tie this up in as clean a bow as we can. And, you know, hmm. what, given that sort of condition, they actually, they did the best with it that they could do. And you're sort of happy with where everyone ends up. But it's just, you wish you wish Netflix had picked it up two years before that, because it would have been, I think it would have been one of Netflix's bigger series. Uh The other thing I love about it, by the way, and the other thing that really hooked me, is that there's a lot of gods portrayed in this show, Hmm. and the way they do them, I mean, I wish the producers of this had made American gods, because it's like, the, the, the way it looks, the way it feels some of the cast even, I'm like, I I could completely imagine as some of the characters from American Gods, I'm like, this should have been that. Like, this could have been that show. Hmm. And it would have been just, I mean, it's it's what I had hoped stars would have done with American Gods, but they decided to not do that. So anyway, um, go pick it up on Netflix, they're all there. I'm actually going back now, slowly through season one, now that I know where it goes. The reason you don't really have to start, by the way, with season one, is they do a lot of timeline jumping and so you get to see a lot of they they visit season one a lot and like right, revisit certain right, right. scenes and things. So you kind of get that anyway, and then you can go back and go, oh, this is the the original version of this scene, almost like a you know, like a DVD extra or something. But interesting, I love it. It also, by the way, it also has one of the best um, villain characters I think of of any TV show. Um, this guy named Martin Chatwin, who is sort of the big bad of season one. He's one of the kids, by the way. Like in in their fake version of Narnia, he's one of the four kids that goes to to Fillory. Um, And so imagine like Edmund, you know, from the Chronicles of Narnia, imagine he goes to Fillory and turns evil and like you have this guy and he's just, he's a delight. Charles Measures, the actor who plays him and he sings and he, he's just like, he's just this crazy, flippant, chaotic, evil, Hmm. but with a smile on his face character. That's just wonderful. Anyway.
1: Cool. And it also sounds like just what we're talking about, like it's a it's a show that maybe you're not bringing any prior investment in the, you know, in the <laughs> the story to like it's a yeah. thing you get to visit fresh because even though you were pulled in by the comics and stuff, it's not one of those properties because obviously we're about to discuss one where, you know, we've been living with Batman and Superman all of our lives. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. And no, this isn't <laughs> this. If anything like this sets up like, you know, I, I almost wish now they'd make. Like com you know, a comic series that's like the stories we didn't see from these characters, like the way they're depicted in the show because you right. see the begin you see the befores and the afters in the comics, and then the books themselves are like seasons one and part of two um and then the show kind of veers very often to its own direction, which I think is just fine, but no, it's great, it's like it's just it's kind of like it's getting to fall in love with a whole new cast of characters and and storylines, and it's you know it's it's a bit of a soap opera, so it's got that vibe too yeah but- right. I think in a, in a good way, like there's, there are, I'll, will give you one more sort of reason to watch what a major, one of the main characters ends up dying in, at some point in, in one of the seasons. And you, when it happens, you're like, Oh my God. And then that character never comes back. And it's not <laughs> like that. And like, not like there's not like a cameo later on. It's just like, they're dead and they died and here. And that's it. Man. And then the wake, they have a, uh on sort of, Sean Bean. <laughs> You know, it could have been. It easily could have been. Um, no, it was. it's later on. So it's not season one. It's, it's later on. It happens. Um, by the way, Sean Bean is on Snowpiercer. Everybody everybody should be doing a death watch for that guy because <laughs> at some point, you know, it's going to happen. It's coming. But, no, but then um, they have this, when that character dies, they have this on-screen memorial service for him that's just one of the most beautiful, beautifully acted scenes I've ever seen. On any TV show, so like I mean, just the there is some amazing acting going on from some folks who this is basically their big break, and they're for the most part they're doing an amazing job with it. There's a couple of like you know Battlestar Galactica alums and things. Oh, another another cameo, um, April O'Neil from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, the good one from like 1990. Um, <laughs> okay, Judith Hogue, Judith Hogue is in this, and so when she pops, I'm like, oh my god, it's April O'Neil. She plays one of the kids' moms which is bizarre because she's like in her early fifties. So it's strange to see her play like a, you know, 25 year old mom, but you know, whatever. Anyway, I like that. I'm also watching Falcon and winter soldier, which yeah, very different from WandaVision, but I, it, it feels more like an actual Marvel movie just divided up into, into parts. Um, whereas well, WandaVision I, decides I, yeah, it you felt would... more like a TV show.
1: Right, right, right. And, and played more with genre and stuff like that. And you had texted that to me about Falcon and Winter Soldier, which I am not watching. And I thought it ties in really well with Justice League for that reason, because of Justice League being broken up into chapters, you know.
0: Well, let's let's dive in, and I'm, I will reference Falcon and Winter Soldier as we go because I think sure, there's some, yeah, some yeah, points I'm that reference point, uh, counterpoints things. Well, oh, Excellent, <laughs> excellent. But like, let's start with that because because and by the way, if you. I mean, at this point, it's kind of silly to say this, but there will be every spoiler Spoilers. probably imaginable for for Justice League. So, if for some reason you haven't seen it at all, or you you think you know the Snyder Cut's not that much different in terms of the story, but you know we're going to spoil it all. Yeah, so just just keep that in mind. Yeah,
1: but, Superman dies. Spoiler. Superman oh, dies. Last movie. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, but it's um, it, I was almost distracted by the chapter breaks in Justice League because they didn't really make any sense. Like it's not like Mm. it's not like the movie was designed that way. Right. Uh, what had happened? I don't know if you know this, what had happened was HBO wanted to release it episodically over four weeks, but they would have had to redo all the contracts and pay everybody like double, uh, scale, you know, double their wage and everything to do that. And so they're like, fine. So what you're seeing is what would have been that those would have been the episodes had they done it, but they kept it anyway. Um, but even even that said, I looked at it. And I was like, every time I would stop and do an episode title, I'm like, what makes this break significant? Like, they just didn't seem like the breaks, with the exception I, maybe one. I just didn't see like their their place. It just almost it was almost distracting.
1: I I actually liked them. No, um, oh. and I it did feel a little bolted on to me for sure, um, because there were a lot of places where there was like. I would describe it as like an extreme cut between scenes
0: mm-hmm.
1: where it would take me a minute to realize like we're in a different location and this is a Steppenwolf scene or something like that, you know? Um, uh, but I, and I wish I had an example right off the top of my head. So I did think the breaks were good in that respect of like, it, it, it sort of like let us like clear the table and like reset it a little bit. All right. But, um, but yeah, I, I agree. It did feel like kind of bolted on. But, you know, um, I I can't say it made it more enjoyable. I do think what would have actually made it a little bit more enjoyable to me is if... I don't, I don't want to see it over four weeks. That would have driven me crazy. Oh, yeah. But yeah. if it had been separate, like, files to watch on HBO Max, like separate shows like in a where there's series like credits amount.
0: at the end of each one and it's like and then you have, right you have yeah yeah, and then yeah. you have
1: that option of like yes i want to continue because um that maybe would have made it easier for me to feel like you know what i can get up and come back to this whereas yeah, there were true. definitely times where in the middle there where i was like oh my god there's two and a half more hours
0: <laughs> yeah i had that same moment where i was like I, I was i committed i was like last when did i watch right, it right. monday me monday too. night i was like it's happening like i'm i'm pushing through Um, let me just pull back and and let's quick quick broad strokes I feel like this is my like my overarching point to this this whole discussion I feel like the Whedon cut wasn't right this isn't right but between the two there is a pretty solid Justice League movie that could be assembled and I'm almost tempted to like take both of them and make my own cut to prove the point 'Cause there were things that the Snyder Cut did or or put back in that were was really good. And then there were things that we didn't put in that Snyder took out that were also good. That I'm like, man, it's like we can't we can't you, have one yeah. one or the other. So like and I'll get into some specifics, but like what what is what's yeah. your broad stroke?
1: Well, I I disagree slightly on that, which is I I mean, I, I like the idea that, that there's a there's a good movie in there somewhere. And I there's this just I mean the story behind the Snyder cut coming out is just fascinating anyway. Sure. Um, And especially even just like this thing that you just told me about HBO intending to release this as a series. I didn't know that was the case. Um, I'm really relieved that didn't happen. I would have been more inclined not to watch it, even though I say I would have loved it broken up into separate files. But I did want to, I did want it out all at once. You know, Um, my opinion is really that the Snyder cut, Is superior in every way. I just wish that Zack Snyder could make these things two hours or less long. And so I I don't know if that's physically possible for him. Exactly, (laughs) capable of doing it. So I, I, I think it was kind of, it kind of hurt the project to give him a blank slate entirely. Or, or rather, like I wish Snyder himself had said, you know what? Some of this stuff is just not going to see the light of day,
0: you know. Mm -hmm. Because I
1: feel like once he was given the green light with Snyder Cut and HBO Max, that the it feels to me. I have no information on this, but it feels to me like his idea was I'm going to put in every single thing I had, you know. But here's there's stuff like like for well, like let me give a quick example. One is the 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 plane the plane not being able to fly. Who cares? You know, like that whole idea of like Batman's been struggling with this plane. That's this like recurring thing that goes through. And I do appreciate that like Cyborg and Flash had their backstories filled in. And Cyborg definitely becomes like, you know, the key to the whole story. But I don't think he needed to fix that plane for us to know that. Also, we didn't really see him fix the plane. He just like talked to it. And so for me, it's like, okay, Zach, there's, I don't know seven minutes or something, you know, of just all the mentions <laughs> of that damn plane that you could have easily just cut. So I think there's many other instances of that where they could have kept cutting this thing down. And it, it, he just felt like, no, I got, I get to put in all my storylines. I'm going to do it all. Well,
0: here's the thing to remember. He, they shot very n- little new footage for this. Probably maybe
1: 15 right. minutes. One total. scene. That's what I heard. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. And so everything that we saw for the, other than that, was had to first be scripted and that script had to be approved by Warner Brothers, you know, to go shoot. So there was, you know, hour literally hours of footage that was on, that was scripted, that Warner Brothers said, yep, we'll pay for that too. And they shot it and then it was just, it was omitted. And a lot of that is just like, it was just not necessary. So like, you know, Warner Brothers, it's, it's like they approved a four hour movie to start with, you know, give, you know, give or take. And then it's, it's just interesting that when he left the project, they went so hard. It's like they just they got scared and ran the opposite direction and then just got really muddy. Like, I'm, I'll, let, me give you, let me just start giving you some examples. Like, I'm not going to do a scene-by-scene breakdown. That's going to be a waste of time. But like, I'm going to give you of some course. examples of things that I liked and that I didn't like. So one of the things that I loved, I think the biggest thing I loved in the Snyder Cut was his depiction of Steppenwolf and the entire Apocalypse dark side gang. You know, every time Darkseid right. appeared, he looked badass. Um, you know, there was always this worry of like, what would Darkseid look like in a Snyder movie? Like how much, you know, is it just going to be like one gray rocky blob or is it, there's going is there going to be something to him? And they the design was just hmm. exquisite. And then I was I even agree. A little agree cons- I
1: agree that like that and to me the thing is like I don't really know Darkseid from the comics. I mean, I've seen pictures, but I've never read a story arc with that that thing is the enemy or the, well, you read uh, Mr. You
0: Miracle know. dark side is just popping in. You know, that's, that's, Oh yeah, yeah, me.
1: that's true. Um, uh, good point. I've never seen the extent of his powers. So I just, um, but yeah, it looked like dark side looked great. I agree. The sod
0: and- granny goodness, like the whole, and when they show apocalypse, it's like, wow. And then I was a little concerned because when they had first kind of floated, a design of, of Snyder Steppenwolf, um, before Whedon came on, I was like, Oh, that looks terrible." Mm. But then here, he looked amazing. Like this version of Steppenwolf mm. crushed the Whedon version, and it's bizarre to me that they would have changed any of that, um, yeah. at all. And then, and then to add on to that, the most frustrating thing about the Whedon cut, now having seen this, is the fact that he completely omitted Darkseid altogether. Yeah. And so you took this like just these badass designs. These badass villain designs and this whole subplot and it and one that justifies well, the existence of Steppenwolf in the first place, and you replace it with like this very confusing, like well Steppenwolf is this character. It's like yeah, but we all know who who's behind all this. Just put that right. in. Like who are you? You're well, going to confuse thing, everybody.
1: It doesn't make any sense in the Whedon cut. So uh, a couple things. This is the problem with this movie. Is like every detail we pick at is we could take in a thousand directions. But two quick sure. things that came up from what you just said. One is that um, uh, the, the there's a clear difference in the colorization of the films, like yes, the saturation. Yes. So, and I've I've watched a YouTube video, at least one, maybe more than that. I can't remember on you know that was like sort of showing different showing things where the scene was either the same footage or very close footage, and how the color was different. Yeah, my problem when I watched the Whedon theatrical cut. Was I still couldn't tell what the hell Steppenwolf and all the like little Mothman things were? Um, To me, that it just looked like a buzzing cloud of crap, and I was like, "What is going on here?" (laughs) Even though Whedon fixed the color so much, he didn't take. You know, he. I don't know if he didn't have the budget. Who knows? It's just hard. You know, we we can't do anything but blame the director at this point. But Whedon didn't like make the parademons look distinctive enough that they stood out in all that. So yeah, to yeah. me, it didn't really bother me to see the really desaturated Snyder look because I agree with you. Like Steppenwolf stood out, which was as it should have been. And then there's just a buzzing horde of, of parademons. Fine. Like, I wouldn't that even didn't say, I, at all.
0: I wouldn't call the Snyder version desaturated though if anything his colors were more fine tuned. Like that was the biggest mm. shock to me was that the greens were really rich looking and his his uh, contrast and shadow is just was almost had a Christopher Nolan sort of you know early Nolan when he was working with like yeah. Wally Pfizer as his D, as his DP like it had that sort of vibe to it which is like wow this this could have you know it, like it my, here's the thing I love about Zack Snyder is a beautiful stylist. He's got a very he's got an amazing visual sensibility. I just think he's a piss poor writer. Like Mm. he can direct the shit out of you know great action scenes and you know a lot of other things, but like his writing, I just I'm like, dude, I don't. This is not like like here's here's one of the things I hated. I don't want to see the opening of the movie where Wonder Woman's just flat out murdering people in front of like families and children, like it's nothing. And I'm like, dude, that's. We just saw two two Wonder Woman movies where she goes out of her way to save, you know, to right. save even the bad guys. Nazis. You know, it's like Yeah. Yeah, and it's like here she's just like flat out like 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 violently murdering people and I'm like, "Man, you don't know, you don't get this character." And then on top of that, well, every time she appears, she's got this weird wailing woman soundtrack behind her instead of like any of her iconic I mean, that first time she had her iconic guitar, but then it's always like yeah 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 and, and you know and it doesn't right. change it's just that and, well, just
1: like, I, and this is it's such a great example of like one of the rabbit holes we go down because um uh, I I wouldn't I think oh my god it's so hard to get into that like the whole thing but I, I wouldn't necessarily criticize Snyder's writing as a whole but there's this weird thing that he does where he's he plants clues like there's these subtle like little things all over the Justice League movies you know the trilogy that we can look at now that relate to each other so that's cool that he was building this world but it makes it like what me watching Justice League was me sitting there trying to decipher everything then like and this is a great contrast to the luminaries TV show then when there were things where like there was an actual like clue to what was happening in the scene. It was like hit you over the head. Obvious. Like it was so, so obvious. And that to me was just frustrating. It's like, Oh my God, dude, you have got to like, like walk this balance a little bit more and then there's stuff like the epilogue which of course will i don't know how oh, we're we'll gonna save ra- that for the up. End. yeah I don't know how we're gonna wrap up our podcast in an hour with that epilogue could be an hour talking about it but like that comes out of nowhere and it's like that's a thing you're dying for some you know I don't want an explanation that just clears up what it is but it, it's like that is a something that should have been more than just hinted at through nightmare visions or something you know like there should have been a little bit more context um but but anyway i i we've now fallen down these other rabbit holes but the second thing i was going to say about it when you were talking about the steppenwolf design and stuff uh was that whedon by cutting out dark side i wonder if he got a direction from warner brothers or if he just felt this way himself like there's not going to be another Justice League movie with this cast because Snyder's whole thing was I'm setting this all up because the part two of this Justice League is the showdown with Darkseid is like the anti-life equation. So we're seeing now in the Snyder cut, like the prelude to a second part that's obviously not going to happen, but Whedon by just cutting Darkseid out entirely really cuts off the idea of that sequel, like totally. So I wonder if the idea was like, Hey, just stop the bleeding and like cut this off where it is. And we'll just, if we do another justice league movie, it won't be a direct sequel. Like, and you know, was that Whedon's yeah. idea or was that the studio's idea or what the hell happened there? It's just, it's bizarre to see it now with so much dark guess, side stuff.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if in five to 10 years Whedon doesn't finance or is part of some documentary about the making of his version. <laughs> right. I'm serious where they would like actually like clarify those exact points. Cause you know, it can't be fun for him to sit there and go, look, I was brought in to do a very specific thing. And yeah, he put some of his own vision into that and, and there was troubles on set and all of that. But then yeah. at the same time, it's like, they brought me in to do this. This is what I was paid to do. This is what I did. Like, and now people are coming back after the fact and saying, you did a terrible job. And so it's like, I'm right. sure he's going to want to set the record straight. Here's the reason though I well, say, Zach Snyder hat is not a great writer. I don't, there, he spent more time writing the look and the layout of scenes and like writing these vignettes and not writing characters. Like I could not tell you what Aquaman wants in this movie. I could not tell you what the flash wants in this movie. That's related Mm. to the main plot. Like the only person I can figure out wants anything is Batman wants to put together a team to solve a unknowable problem. And like, yeah, then they come together. But like prior to that, it's like, what, Uh, what are all these characters doing? They're just sort of milling around. And then even once Aquaman is
1: recruited, he's like, it's like, what does he
0: want? Like, I don't know.
1: There was no focus on that. I I take a little issue with that because to me, that's the problem with the Whedon cut is that in the Whedon movie, the the story, like it's like Whedon saw the, the story is like, this is, this is the Avengers version. This is like how you put the team together. Snyder saw it as like, this is the continuation of Batman versus Superman where um, the the threat to Atlantis and the threat to Themyscira have to be the motivating forces for Wonder Woman and Aquaman. So to me, in the Snyder cut, I saw that. Whereas in the Whedon cut, it was like, you know, Batman just hounding people until they joined his team, <laughs> which is true. But I, but I, but I mean, I your point to, to Zack Snyder is like. I, I think you're exactly right. Like the, he's mapping out like these beautiful visual scenes. This is the entire problem with sucker punch, you
0: yeah, know, it's like yep, sucker
1: yep. punch stylistically looks amazing. And there is like the, there's like a interesting story in there, which is basically inception. Um, yep. and it did come out before inception, but it's, it it's, there's something in the writing that's like kind of ham fisted or something. And, and again, I think it's like when he wants to make like a subtle point, it's so subtle that you you have to like decode all this stuff. And when he wants to just drop like a normal beat, it's so obvious that you're like, Oh my well, god, here's, dude. Here's another nobody's example gonna miss
0: that. Here's another example of where his writing got in his way. We witnessed an entire I would I feel it's like eight to ten minute long scene of the flash applying for a job and then saving right. Iris who is never named and never mentioned again know, and he never right? sees her again and yet we have to listen to this entire we watch this entire scene unfold that's basically the climax to Zack Snyder's flash movie that never gets made and right. it's like you know this long and and then we never come back to it it's never mentioned again I'm like then what was the point of all that he could have saved and you could argue well he was saving his uh futures you know they didn't they, you know, that was the first time they met I'm like yeah but yeah. This isn't the Flash's movie. Like, if you're gonna do that in this movie, mm. like Zack Snyder's, like so much of this movie assumes other things that would potentially never be made, even in a perfect universe. Like, even if all of this went well, well for Warner Brothers, like he's it just it presumed so much about a, a, point. a DCU that never that was never gonna happen. You know, con, con, you know, contrast that with Marvel, which is. Yeah, they plan ahead, but every yeah. the, the MCU lives and dies by what's happening right here right now. So if WandaVision just stunk and was terrible, the MCU might stop. Like, you know, it, it maybe there may be like a reset, but like, yeah. you know, and then Falcon and Winter Soldiers... It, you know, so every brick is a stronger
1: brick than came before more or less. That is a great point and is the entire problem with Batman v Superman and I think we've mentioned this on prior episodes. I haven't looked them up, but I know like, I know you and I have talked whether on the podcast or offline about how, when I had watched the extended cut or whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. And me saying like, it kind of justifies the movie. Like the movie doesn't stink anymore, but it's, but there's still so many questions I have about why. (laughs) Um, But, but that's the whole problem is that like Snyder made a cut of BVS with all of the stuff that foretold Justice League issues, and if you, and then they cut that to make the theatrical version, so it's like, well, now when Justice League comes out, it hasn't been properly set up. For yeah. example, I think it's exclusively in the extended edition of BVS. When the so there's this like a military or a police force that comes into the Kryptonian ship to arrest Mark Zuckerberg. Slash Lex Luthor. (laughs) Yeah. So when he gets arrested, he is standing in front of the computer telling him about Steppenwolf and the mother boxes. Yeah. So when the intro to justice league, that same scene is shot in reverse, like you, so you, you see part of it and then it's the camera sort of flips around and you see Zuckerberg's face, but that is like, you know, Whedon cut both. Whedon didn't have that in his cut. So not only was it not, you know, Uh, Premised in BVS Theatrical version But then it's not even In the Whedon cut So it's like Okay well I I don't know that it matters That you know that Lex Zuckerberg was in on it But it's like You know Snyder was planting it there For a reason Well you kind of need to know When Batman
0: goes But you kind of need to know Because when Batman goes To visit Lex Luthor And there's a There's a fake guy there That's really confusing To people who didn't bother to go down that particular rabbit hole. It's, and I get well, in some degree, in some ways you got to be a tiny bit forgiving. Cause you're like, look this, this, you have to assume you have to rewind time back to 2017. Like everything that's happened since didn't happen. And like, this would have come out. I'm like, okay, well, fine.
1: But then, that's exactly, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Like, so if the theatrical version of BBS comes out and then Snyder's justice league comes out, but you don't have that hint that Luther knew, knew about Steppenwolf's plan with the mother boxes, then you're like, well, I, I, then it makes less sense, you know, sorry, I interrupted. <laughs>
0: no, no, no. Well, I'm, I'm just trying to play that out. Cause cause like I'm a teeny bit forgiving, but at the same time,
1: it's like, you still didn't do enough. You didn't lay enough groundwork here. And then I, I right, right, right. Snyder's not doing that in, in, within the story. It's almost like the groundwork for him is separate scenes. Yeah. I well, and then, and then
0: I, here's my, here's a better question. Does James Wan still do with Aquaman what he did if this version of, of if the Snyder cut came out? Because no, you you didn't get you didn't get Volko in the original Whedon cut, but you did get um, right Mira. And I had forgotten that Amber Heard. And maybe they reshot it, so maybe she doesn't do this. But like in in Snyder cut, she's like got a pseudo British accent, and she's her hair is all different, and vocals. And you could say, well, you know, that's they they it changed between then and uh, Aquaman. I'm like, yeah, but. The aesthetic and then even the character and everything about Aquaman that, that James Wan did is so different from what we saw oh, yeah. in the Whedon cut. So it's like and that- you can't assume this is a, a world where, unlike the MCU, like all these stylistic choices carried on. Like, you know, they would have just. Right, like, right, right. You kind of get all these movies locked in amber and you just kind of have to be really forgiving with. With how these all well, you know, is that the and, same Aquaman
1: or is this a Splinter universe? Like, I, and you know, you're don't like you're leaving out the most obvious point, which is she has an English accent in the Snyder movies mm-hmm. and not in the Aquaman movie. Like, yeah. and that crazy red hair. Like, there's no way James Wan made that same movie if the Snyder cut had come out because, and that's why I think like a lot of this must have been studio direction and Warner Brothers. I if you know if I had a guess like or I had to put money on it, I would say Warner Brothers told Whedon there's not going to be a a JL two, So just like wrap this up and let's get it out the door.
0: God, can you imagine that? Like piss away all the money that they've been building up towards. Just like, just like sacrifice this movie to the gods and we'll be done.
1: Right. And I got to follow up on that, but I, I want to put in another thing in your head in the flash scene, which is, so I like the Iris scene. And to me, what it does is that it, it shows that Barry knew how to be a hero and get into dangerous situations and save people. Uh, demonstrably. But did it need to like it's sh- so it,
0: stretched out though. Did we need well, to maybe listen to an entire
1: licensed song while he does it? Like, right. I, like that's ugh. a Snyder thing. Like I got a I got a song for this. So the scene has to take the entire length of the song, oh, but God. it, you know, to me, it's like that. Yes, it's longer, but it shows it doesn't tell. And in, the Whedon cut when he, once he gets rid of that and he plays into the flash being like such a new kid, Whedon has to add in that line. That's like, just save one person kid. But and see that so, line,
0: that line I missed because that, that was a character moment, an honest moment between two characters who you haven't seen connect ever before. Interact. In the right, or connect in that way. And yeah. so, well for Batman. To and I agree. Be, I'm just know, to,
1: saying like, it doesn't work in the Snyder cut, you know, like, because you've already seen him save someone. Oh, I see so what you he mean. Doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't okay. need to he doesn't need to say that to him because Flash is already a hero. And yeah. so I'm yeah. not arguing which is better. It's just it's like a you know, to me it's like a personal preference thing. I I don't but it's it's one of those examples of like once you pull the one thing out of the Snyder cut, this other thing isn't going to make sense, so you have to add something in and you know, it's. oh my That's, God. What it That's what
0: I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. There, between the two of them, there is a good movie because I would much rather have lost the music video saving Iris scene or saving this unnamed black woman scene because we never know her name and she never comes back and she never says anything. Um, I would rather have lost that for the Batman just save one person line because that shows character dimension to Batman. It gives him sort of this this kind of mentor. You know, so much is packed into that right. one line that that millions of dollars of CG and stunt filming could not accomplish. And like, whenever he's given that opportunity, like Zack Snyder picks the big, the, 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 the more vapid expensive option of the two. And I think that's one of the reasons as much as I love his, his Watchmen movie, one of the things it does suffer from is, is that trade off. And yeah, he hews to the Watchmen comic pretty closely, but there are things that he drops that he he does so in favor of the big, you know, visual kind of set piece yeah. that doesn't that's that rings hollow at the end of it versus like good moments. There's I mean, we there's there's so much I'm not saying we had to have the Russian family reinserted, but right. there was so much humor that Whedon had injected that I think was sorely lacking from what I saw in the four hour Snyder cut. Like it just was mm. it was it so is- just one note and just so like no one smiled or laughed. And when they did, it was just for a brief moment. I'm like, God, can we just get some? It's pretty Ezra Miller. You know, Ezra Miller is, is trying his best. It makes me almost feel like Zack Snyder with all his, his addiction to slow motion and, you know, visual style. Like he, he might have directed a really great flash movie. Like it almost seems like that's what he was interested in. Like every time Barry Allen's on screen, he's the most charming one. And that could just be the, the way the character was played by Ezra Miller. But at the same time, yeah. it's like, I always, anytime the, he did something with the Flash, I dug it. Like, I loved the way he kind of interpreted that. Yeah. You know, it's almost like Robert Zemeckis needs to write a Flash movie that then Zack Snyder directs. Like, that well, might be the perfect combination. Dude, I, and
1: Flash it was one of the, and so that's one of the things that, like, I think remains in the Whedon cut is that, Every time you see Flash, you still want to see more Flash. Yeah, like yeah. you know, it's it's Ezra Miller's portrayal, and it's what the character's doing and all and saying. You're just like, oh, I want more of this character. Cyborg, on the other hand, in the Whedon cut, I was like, what is this stupid two dimensional character? Like, I don't care for him. I don't understand his powers. I like, I the Whedon cut could have been made without Cyborg, and it would have made just as much sense to me then the Snyder cut shows like how much was actually prepped and shot for cyborg. Yeah. Like they, Whedon could have gone back and just made, like he could have taken all that cyborg footage, presumably, you know, added in his humorous lines for the others and made it like where cyborg, I, I don't know. I, I guess that's a question. Again, you, you Is th- the Whedon cut would the Whedon cut have been improved by centering it on cyborg rather than, you know, the assembling a team plot.
0: No, because cyborg. I'm sorry, but Ray Fisher plays that character very stale. Like it's not there's there's just not a lot going on. He's kind of boring right. whenever he's on on unless unless it's him. Well, sort of pre cyborg. So he plays he's, right he's right, almost right exactly the cyborg we've seen in both the justice the uh, Justice League animated series and the Teen Titans animated series. Like we and even like the um what's that show that's on that was on DC Universe that's on HBO Max now. The um oh god uh. Oh is shoot. It,
1: Cyborgs it like the, in it. it. It's not just Titans, right? Or is no, it, but it's,
0: it's, it's, Oh my God. It's, it's one of those Grant Morrison series. Crap. What's so, Oh, Oh, oh
1: uh, crap. Um, you, you think about that, but I'm just saying that the problem with Whedon is that he, 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 there's none of the personality of like Vic in that. So yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. And, but in, in the, in those, in those shows, and I, killing myself i can't think of what the damn name is it'll hit me soon um um the the vic and in, in those he still has it you know even the way he's designed like he's not 95 percent cyborg with like a human oh, head right. like he's got more going on so it's it's that struggle of man versus machine and the man attitude like his his vic attitude is still you know and granted he grows yeah. as the thing goes on but like this is just like it's it's like i hated the design i hated yeah. the you know, and just, he plays it so one note. So when he pops up, like it's almost, right. I had a joke with my wife. I was like, did Ray Fisher like edit this himself? Because it just seems like all the scenes where he pops back up, they're almost like so like in your face. It's like, well then make him just, why isn't this just the cyborg movie that leads into all this? It just, it's kind of, it, it almost draws too much influence back. Whereas the Whedon cut to your point, doesn't show him enough. And there's like a happy medium right. somewhere in there.
1: Uh, no, that's, and that's only the point I wanted to make is that like, we realize in seeing this, how, what a bad hand they dealt to the cyborg character in the Whedon cut. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just, totally.
0: The, it, he was right about uh, that. Ray Fisher, when he complained, I mean, it's like, look, I was sidelined. No, no, you're, you're right. You're correct. Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. So here, here's one interesting thing I wanted to bring up in, in light of that too, is that the Wheaton cut has disappeared. Seemingly. <laughs> it's still on HBO max. I watched it, watched part of it. The, uh, Oh, you did. I yep. looked for it the other day and could not find it under any of the like justice league stuff. Huh? And pull up
0: my iPad. While you so
1: play. in addition to that and, and related to that is as, I, you know, there's definitely an argument for like how indulgent the Snyder cut is. And I, you know, would not necessarily take sides in that. I'm kind of like, okay, well, if you're Zack Snyder and you're given a, you know, blank slate, maybe you put everything out on the table and say, let the fans judge. What I do think is super indulgent is this new cut that is in black and white called. Justice oh, I've heard great. about
0: this. I've and heard it's about out this.
1: now. Yeah.
0: By the way, the, uh, the Whedon cut is still on HBO Max as of this okay, record.
1: Okay, sorry, then ignore what I said. I, when I looked for it the other day to just sort of compare and contrast and couldn't find it, I was like, oh, something is afoot. You know, they have <laughs> they've well, disappeared this cut.
0: What's interesting is that the um, Justice League promo graphic is in color. Zack Snyder's Justice League is in black and white. I don't know what the black and white version looks like. Like is it right. the same thing it looks, as just a separate? It looks movie, exactly
1: or? the same, but they put the title "Justice is Gray" on the oh, thumbnail. God, see uh, that it is that is like who's that a for? Step too like, far. Who I don't is, know like, because it's like it's already dark enough. You does know? he
0: think that like he's making Mank? Like what this? No, the, the, this is not. Oh God, it's and this is where I side firmly on the on the the people who just you know rag on Zack Snyder all the time like yeah I, I, I'm i sort of in the middle like I don't I think there are people who who are like an, there's like a cult of Snyder that is completely irrational and then there are people who will just completely rag on every single thing he's ever done no matter what it is and I'm like well that's just as irrational but the people but the, anybody who's saying that, that we should let him wow it's this is the movie as it truly should have been experienced I'm like it's not they would have never put that in the no, theaters no
1: exactly that, you that's, know, that's true and if, I don't if, know how anybody can reasonably make that argument well, Nor, if, want, if he
0: wants to invite you to his house for a beer and go, hey, let me show you, I made it in black and white, and you want to go down to his basement and watch, then fine. Like that's, yeah, that's uh, completely but, fine. But anyway, go ahead, sorry. But I also sorry.
1: think there's there's no way anyone can argue that this was the thing that would have come out in theaters, but for all like, you know, all these other circumstances, there's no way, like, no, this, no there way. was never going to be a four hour movie in a theater that was this. Also, there's no way that he had this like assembled to this state or even like 90% of it when the Whedon thing came out. Like, no, yeah. You no. know, cause there was this part of that early, like release the Snyder cut. Do you know, do campaign. you
0: know why I know that that's the case? Because a lot of the CGI in this was, uh, just terrible. It's like Mark Ruffalo in the Hulkbuster outfit. Just terrible. Like, and one of my favorite sequences where this is obvious. But so, so I loved all the mascara stuff in the Snyder cut. Like, loved it compared yeah. to the Whedon cut. But when they're riding their horses in in sort of their army, oh, you can see, you can almost see the cur- the green screen curtain wrinkle. It's well, so bad. It's the it's. Thing- re-
1: oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm interrupting you, and I'm sorry. the The thing that we got to talk about in that green green curtain theme is that. So I I heard that maybe the only thing reshot for, or shot for this new was the epilogue with the Joker in it. Uh, what, I, what I have not heard any news on, and I'm dying to know what the truth of this scene is. Is there's no way Batman showed up or Ben Affleck showed up for that Martian Manhunter? epilogue that thing is the worst cg of like ben affleck's face on someone else's body
0: oh you don't think that was him
1: no it's like it it looks like this uh like like mashup of his face and clooney's face it was like, a little uncanny
0: i didn't know the you mentioned hair it, it was...
1: and the eyebrows are all wrong and the, I was and so it, tired by that oh, point though. Like right, this is right, right.
0: at midnight by the time that came up that I was like, "Oh, okay." And then I I think I was even half asleep. So I didn't well, I lo- pay as much attention. I'm going to go back and watch that now.
1: I love that there's that we don't that we both didn't, you know, neither it's not like both of us recognized that and wanted to talk about it because um I mentioned that to my friend Brian and he said when it happened, he was like, "Holy shit, that's CG." And his wife who was watching it with him was like, "You are crazy. That's been Affleck." So like <laughs> But, you know, I think that just sort of speaks to like exactly what you're talking about, which was, yeah, they went in and they had to they had to rush some things and they had to do it during, you know, pandemic lockdown conditions. So I I do want to and this is a major problem that I like uh, 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 presaged early in our podcast is that like. There's so many rabbit holes to fall down this. And because they've been so indulgent with it, I almost, I just want them to be even more indulgent. Tell us the whole story <laughs> of the Whedon cut. Tell us the whole story of the reshoots for this. Like tell yeah, us the whole story yeah. that what that epilogue means. Can we talk about that yet? Can we well, yeah. jump in so, the epilogue? So the,
0: the, the, the two things real quick before we talk epilogue, we haven't mentioned the four, three aspect ratio. And I just oh, want to put God. out there. I hated it. And clearly yeah. what what I hated more than it was that stupid disclaimer that came up. That's like, you know, to respect the director's vision. vision. And I'm like, no, to respect the fact that you only had budget for CG for four, three, and not a full 16 by nine ratio screen. That's or, why it's four, three. This is no the thing way I he know. wanted that. There's no well, way. He,
1: here's, here's my, uh, uh, supposition is that tons of the Snyder stuff whether they had effects finished or not was probably shot in IMAX. And so oh. they had to change the rest of it to fit 4:3 for the IMAX oh. screen.
0: Oh, I had not considered that in at once. I think you're on. Well,
1: I was like they went back to these this like, you know, the old footage and they were like, "Oh shit, like a ton of the movie is in 4:3 because we were shooting it for IMAX." And to your point, I mean, I think your point is valid is because they were like, "Well, we can't go cut that. You know, like, yeah, yeah, like that's the best with and the most pixels we have in that scene. We can't reduce the (laughs) resolution there. So, I mean, this had to be a nightmare to cut together no matter how it's, it's, you know, put out. Yeah, I just,
0: that, that, but I totally agree. It's not, it was
1: not the director's vision. That's BS. That almost put
0: a bad taste in my mouth to start with. I I had to almost pause and go, just, just ignore it. Keep going. Cause I'm like this. Don't put that there. It's almost like a big. It's like a middle finger before we even start. Right. Like, come on, man. But to to let's, play
1: devil's advocate,
0: all right. I will ahead. say,
1: Chris Nolan did apparently tap Zack Snyder or like advocate for him with Warner Brothers to to take over sort of the DC lead, like when the Dark mm. Knight was ending. Mm. And you know, Chris Nolan's been a producer on all of these movies. And I do remember in both Dark Knight movies, seeing them at IMAX and seeing a note that was like you know, the director wishes to preserve the IMAX formatting for certain scenes so you will notice this going from widescreen to full screen. And it was that, true. It was like yeah. when they would do a huge IMAX shot because Chris Nolan had shot it in, you know, 70 millimeter IMAX, the screen would like sort of elongate and, you know, cover everything and then it would go back I, to normal widescreen. I know
0: exactly what you're talking. That's especially noticeable in, um yeah, Rises. Um, but like, I think maybe it's just because Chris Nolan had bought a lot of goodwill with me up to that point but that didn't bother me in the slightest oh yeah okay, that makes sense it's more like an explainer it's like look uh, it would just look weird to cut this so you'll notice a change but then we'll go back like if they had said that here if they're like look we shot some of these scenes were originally shot it would almost be cooler if they're like some of these scenes were originally shot in IMAX to ensure that you're seeing what would have appeared in
1: theaters you know we're gonna keep them in totally agree with that if I could have watched this thing filling up my screen and then it like shrunk a little bit for a couple yeah. of scenes, I would have been much happier than watching it on a box. Like honestly, that is the most disappointing thing of like the 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 dumb way in which I acquired the original cuts of the Star the original Star Wars trilogy. You know, I finally found them on VHS only to realize, like to my dismay, that of course they were in four three ratio because they're like 1980s VHS. Yeah. So it's like, not only, you know, I finally get my hands on like an actual physical copy of, of the original cuts. And then I put it in a, my, I remember having to like travel with it to my parents' house to watch it or something because I didn't have a VCR and putting it in their VCR and being like, son of a bitch. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. in four, three.
0: Well, let's talk about the epilogue. Uh, Um, And I, you know, right out of the gate, I don't even think we should call it the epilogue because it wasn't. In a narrative no, sense, it, it wasn't. It was just right. like here's a collection of a bunch of uh, post credit sequences that we had to choose from, and we're just gonna put them all in for you to enjoy. Here you go, and like even it almost seems like some of these were scenes for you know post credit scenes for other movies that were gonna come out, and they're like here you go, and then just because he was I, for some reason he shot this whole new Joker sequence that you know. It's like here's what here's what I was gonna do. Here's where I was headed with this. That's right. what. I, what's what was your take? Like, I mean, we all knew it was coming. It wasn't gonna be surprised. But were you were you okay with it? Were you really off put by it? What was your your so, reaction?
1: And you you mean like specifically the Joker? Um, no, the
0: whole epilogue, just the, the way thing. it rolled. The fact that it was completely disconnected from you know, from itself well, as well as most of
1: the other I, scenes. I, it. I don't know how it how you do it. I'm not a smart enough movie I'm not a movie writer at all and I'm I'm not a clever enough writer to figure out like how you make it make sense but I was very frustrated that there was no sense to it because I what I understood up to that point was and talk about decoding a movie was because there are scenes of Batman in that gear fighting the parademons in Batman v Superman the extended cut so what I, I didn't know what the hell was going on when I watched the BVS extended cut, but when I watched justice league and saw a couple of the nightmares that like, you know, bat fleck wakes up from, I was like, okay, he's seeing like an alternate future. Then when flash does the time traveling in the great climax, which by the way is a thing that like Whedon totally screwed up and not having, um, that time traveling, I, I felt like, okay, if, he, if this doesn't work, then we end up in that future, you know? So mm-hmm. that's where all these scenes kind of like make sense. But to have it happen afterwards and there be this weird conversation between the Joker and Batman that's clearly hinting at something that's like, I think Snyder thinks he planted the the clues for adequately. I just don't think he did. And so I've seen people interpret it as like um, that, that Batman may have had an affair with Lois or not an affair, (laughs) but he may have slept with Lois, maybe possibly after Clark was dead or something. Then, you know, dark side uses the anti-life equation to bring, Clark back to life and Clark is like furious about this and goes hunting people like join Stark side basically or something. And part of the clues for that is this pregnancy test called force majeure pregnancy test, <laughs> act of God in Lois's drawer. Was but, it called force majeure on the brand? I missed yes. that.
0: Oh my but, God. That's I'll actually love that. That's kind of fun. But
1: to me, it's like, well, you don't, <laughs> I, you know, I did a quick poll, (laughs) which was, do single women just keep pregnancy tests in their drawers all the time? And, and the, the 100% of the respondents said no. Um, So, you know, you only buy that thing when you're going to use it. And then once you use it, you throw it away. Like you don't have extra ones in your drawer. So that to me, that's like the Zack Snyder poor storytelling thing is like, dude, I get where you're going here, but that should have been in the trash can. You know, yeah, but even the then, it's idea. like,
0: why would you assume that was Bruce Wayne when Clark is dead maybe a well, week or two? And it's like, that could have just been Clark's
1: kid. Like, why that exactly
0: in what or, universe could anyone assume that Ben? Aff- oh, god, See, this I don't know. So, gets- that
1: I'm taking from a, a, a really great discussion on a, a podcast that is usually like hilarious and about bad movies called How Did This Get Made. They did justice league this, this week with, as I team up with another podcast called blank slate and it's a really great discussion. And so, you know, it's again, like, again, it's like, this is all myth now. I don't know what is true and what's the real story behind it. They're the ones who said the thing about Batman sleeping with Lois Lane. I had previously heard from another friend that it's, that we're supposed to understand that Lois is probably pregnant with Superman's baby. Yeah. And that's what I would have assumed. Right. But I don't know how that means like so then there's the flash flashback or the flash time travel that's in BVS where he comes back and says, oh, no, I'm too early. Lois is yeah. the key. You were right about him. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I I don't know what to make of it. So that's that's my short take on the epilogue or my long take on the epilogue, which is like they they're all these like disparate clues or something planted and there's no clear understanding of it. And I think that's poor storytelling. You know, it's like, it's not clever. In other words, it's not clever to just like throw a bunch of ideas out there and say, you make it up. What, it makes sense to you. you
0: My, my biggest problem with the epilogue other than, I mean, even apart from its incoherence is the fact that if, if you're to tell me that this, that what the whole point of this exercise was, you're going to see what would have come out in 2017. All right. Then don't add anything new. Don't right. create some weird thing that's like, "Well, this is." I'm going to give you a taste of what I was also going to do. Exactly. I like, no, 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 no. If this wasn't going to appear and as the end credit scene in 2017, it shouldn't be in this. And like even that Martian Manhunter scene at the end, I exactly. I'm guessing was not ever filmed for 2017. No. And. No. You know, it's like, it's one more thing. I'm like, this would have been cool to have in the movie. Why are you right. showing us this now? Like this, why couldn't he have just joined the league too? Like this seems like. I, if
1: you I, told yeah. me that Zack Snyder just hired someone to film Zack Snyder walking outside of that house and then they CGI would <laughs> Ben Affleck's face on it. I would believe it completely. I wouldn't be surprised by it. I'm actually,
0: I have got it pulled I, up to the side, by the way, just to check it. Yeah. It's, it's uncanny. It's, it's weird.
1: I do, I did like the Martian Manhunter reveal after the Lois and Martha talk because, and whether that was shot for the uh, 2017 cut or shot for this movie, I think I heard, and it might've been on how did this get made, that that was shot for this cut, but Snyder did it using that character that maybe he intended to to be revealed as Martian Manhunter, you know, the character that had been in the general Steel and stuff. Yeah, Yeah. which by the way,
0: you never even see, like you hear the voice, but there's never a shot where like he's morphing into John Jones. Like, so then even that's ridiculous. Cause then you're like, even if you were paying attention, you're like, wait, I recognize that. Is that the general you would, they're not even gonna show the guy's real face. And then the funniest thing of all, like this, it was almost like the turd on top of the Sunday, this whole that that particular scene, because it probably wasn't Ben Affleck. At no time, like it's the least Bruce Wayne Batman thing ever. He comes kind of meandering out like he's been on a drunk bender all night. And this guy's standing there, and it's like right. almost like Ted, Ted S. Preston. He's just like, yo, what are you doing here? And, he, and then basically John Jones gives a spiel. Never once does Bruce Wayne go, who are you? What's your name? Like, why are you here? He literally goes, cool, okay. And like, he's about well, to turn around. And John Jones has to He does say that say, thing of
1: like, I've been, oh yeah, yeah. I've been called But John Jones names.
0: himself has to go, so in case you want to know who I am, uh, I'm the Martian. It's like, dude, Bruce, Batman would have either already known and like right. called him out on it. Or at least be like tell me everything. Cause I'm a freaking detective. It was like, it was such a just weird out of character moment for everybody. And at the same time, I'm like, if you're going to be this, if you want to have Martian Manhunter in this, put him in your movie. Like,
1: well, don't, and oh. what I, what I was referring to was, uh, what was like the reveal of, of when, when Martha leaves Lois and then transforms into, you know, Martian Manhunter and the general, that's where I thought was like, cool. I was like, that's wait,
0: well, hold, hold on. What are you referencing? Cause I don't, that scene doesn't exist Oh, my God. Did you here. fall asleep?
1: Yeah, it's in the Snyder Cut. So Lois has this whole conversation with with Martha Kent, and Martha says, you need to rejoin the living. And then Martha Kent walks outside Lois Lane's apartment, and her eyes glow red, and she becomes the Martian Manhunter. What and are then, you talking
0: about? Where Where this is, is this? This is cut in the Snyder Cut. But this isn't then, in the epilogue, is it?
1: I... I, I don't know what to tell you. I, this is an amazing reveal. You may have, you may have. I'm literally for, for I'm fording through the epilogue now, and I do not see this. Scene. It's not. It's not the... in the epilogue. No, it's in like chapter three.
0: Oh my god! Because well, then I'm gonna have to go back Lois, to that.
1: Yeah, because Lois sets up. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the very end of chapter three, because or okay. two, because Lois has previously been going to the Superman memorial over and over, and this is her break. Like this is this happens right before she goes, and Superman comes back to life. Because the next time she goes and the cop says, "Uh, you know, I didn't think you were going to make it this morning. And she says one last time to the cop.
0: Yeah. I remember that.
1: that, So that happens. It happens right before that because Martha has encouraged her to go join the land of the living. And then it's revealed that that Martha was just John shapeshifting. So if you okay. somehow okay. like <laughs> I missed that, I was gonna in the your beverage or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then wow. the Martian Manhunter at the end doesn't make any effing sense. But even in that moment, it's like 10 seconds, if that. And that's one of the things I heard they reshot was that they came back and like did the scene outside. Oh, I think I, I think that's what I heard was said that it was reshot. Oh but, Lord, and I, I also like so I thought that scene was very cool. And I, I mean, I thought I thought tons of scenes were cool with the Snyder thing. Uh, with the sniper cut, geez, I'm losing it now. But I just want to highlight one other thing I thought was really, really cool. Visually, was when Diana goes out to meet Cyborg, and you know the lights go down in that block of town, and then you see what looks like a like a jet airplane flying at the ground. And it so seamlessly turns into cyborg that looked so cool to me. Yeah, yeah, that was. I just really love that, and it felt like much cooler than Whedon's version of, you know, of cyborg's powers. I guess. Yeah. Um, Again. Anyway, there is,
0: there's like, look. Here's my here's my final take on on Snyder Cut. It is it is beautiful looking nonsense. It's it you know it's four hours of amazing looking just utter nonsense and if some of the coolest cinematic sort of moments that you'll have with certain characters but like you have there's no reason to watch it sequentially or ever again in one chunk like you can, but at the same time i refuse I, ref- I agree refresh my same point i'm convinced that you could take the whedon cut and this and somewhere in there is a tight maybe two hour and 20 minute movie that mm. functions really well um and, you know, it, it harnesses the best because we, you know, Whedon, for better or for worse, did bring a lot of interesting stuff into this. Like, like I'm even remembering just a lot, like the fact that he kept Superman in the Superman suit, you know, it wasn't the black and white suit. At the same time, we didn't need the weird mustache removal cell phone video at the beginning of the Whedon cut. So like, there's there's right. things that. But he, like, I ended up liking these characters a lot more in the Whedon cut. Like they just, the with the well, exception of Cyborg, they breathed. They had more, they were more moments where you're like, okay. Whereas in this just felt like these characters are like, and just so many slow motion posing, you know, just a lot of people posing and you know, just zooms in and slow-mo and more slow-mo. And it's like, oh Christ, just give me, give well, me somebody laughing it, with somebody else. Something, you
1: know, and I mean, I, I, I take your point and I, um, I, I, I like it, I appreciate it, but to me that, that example of the Superman suit is like a perfect encapsulation of like why Whedon didn't get it and felt yeah, like he yeah. had to stamp it as like an Avengers movie Um, and you know, a time was when I, I would have said Whedon doing DC is like J.J. <laughs> J. Abrams doing <laughs> Star Trek or Star Wars vice versa, I don't know, because I feel like <laughs> They they both should have just stayed in whatever one of the universes and they instead yeah. they tried to mix them and both and turn both universes into the same vision. and you know, after that last J.J Abrams Star Wars, I don't think he was right about it. Um, but to me, the ha- playing into the Superman, I can't remember if it's called like Superman reborn or death of Superman, but that was what you know that was what Snyder was referencing was like the black suit was Canon to that storyline and it, you know, having like Whedon cutting the whole thing out. I don't know. You can, you know, take it or leave it, but it just, I I got where Snyder was going with that. And I kind of feel like that's one of those details where Whedon might've been better off putting him in the black suit. Like, you know, Mm. that's why he like, but it's another thing where it's like, it's kind of like the flash story in order to put him in the black suit. I think you have to have him walking through the, the Kryptonian ship and looking at his other, suits and then choosing the black one, you know, like you you have have to kind of set it up. And if you're going to cut that setup for time, then I don't know. Maybe you cut the whole suit. It's like the mystery of how this all got made. And like, (laughs) well, we're going to hear he had choices. There's no way Joss
0: Whedon lets this, lets this be the final word. Like he will. There's no way Snyder does either. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly.
1: These are two directors that want to tell you what's going on, but um I do I, I wanted to uh wrap up with this, which is do you think this makes Warner Brothers look dumb? The fact that Or does that, it make them look real savvy?
0: I mean it's savvy only in that I mean like the only way we'll know is if we could find out how many new HBO Max subscribers there are, you mm. know, for this you know 2 weeks prior and 2 weeks after the release of this. And if yeah. that number spikes back down again or if it stays up like and there's we probably will never know that. If we did yeah. know that, then it's like well then they're savvy because they made they made a splash on HBO Max when they sorely needed one. Yeah. I don't think this is the way to do. It. I mean, had this not happened, they wouldn't have anything. So if, you know, they, this was a move of desperation, I think also like there's right. don't be, don't be fooled. This was not the result of some intense fan campaign. This no, 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 was Warner no, no, Brothers no. going. We can't make any movies because of COVID, but we can do effects on movies. Um, do we have anything where we sh- we could do some effects? Anybody? I don't <laughs> know. All our, all our movies are either done and need to go out to the theater, or they're too they're too soon. We don't. You know, and. Zack Snyder had that thing lying around, didn't he? <laughs> let's call it. That. And then because I think even Deborah Snyder's wife was really pushing them to be like, look, you can put all these people to work if you just make my husband's yeah. movie. And they did. So, you know, but at the same I, I, time, I,
1: I think it's a. I think that was that was all great. I think that's like such a yeah. To me, that does look savvy. Like, let's that's let's savvy, make a yeah. new thing out of of uh, like, let's make a remix of a thing that's going to draw new viewers. I, the I do know that this was in discussion as an exclusive release to HBO back in 2019.
0: Yeah, so yeah. that's
1: kind of a weird wrinkle. But it is. It, but you know that like it was 2020 that they had to. You know, Snyder had to sit down and work on it. That's that's amazing. Um, I, you know, to answer my own question, I I I you had you had such a great point, which is there's no way this four hour, four hour cut ever comes out in a theater. So it's impossible to argue like Warner Brothers looks to me. To me, it just feels like disingenuous to say Warner Brothers looks dumb because the Snyder cut is better than the Whedon cut.
0: Because yeah, we no, know yeah.
1: this Snyder cut would never have existed in a theater. And exactly. if it had, it would have bombed worse. Than I think Whedon. so. I because think I, nobody yep. wants to see a four hour movie.
0: Well, no one wants to see four-hour movie, and let's let's say he found a way to cut it down. I think it would have done exactly the same business, if not a little worse than Whedon, because at that point, remember, right? Nobody Batman v Superman was very did not do well. Like it may have made money overseas and stuff, but like it that basically broke the Whedon verse as we know it. Like that, you, I think well, the at that Snyder point, verse. Warner, sorry, the Snyderverse. Um, uh, you know, Warner Brothers was like, oh man. So when when Zack Snyder's when the tragedy with his daughter happened and he had to leave the set. I yeah. think Warner Brothers was more than happy to be like, okay, thanks, and then yeah. just you know trying to rush because they're like, shit, if if yeah. this is just BVS times four hours or you know whatever it's going to be, like, ugh. Um, yeah, and I th- and that and that's that point, why I
1: think that that it came from the studio to like they they told Whedon like wrap it up. There's not going to be another Justice well, League. Well, the, the
0: other the other big glaring thing that we've only hinted on is that by that point, by 2017, the Wonder Woman movie had come out right already at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Aquaman
1: hadn't yeah, yeah, yet,
0: but was in development. Right. So you had these and then Shazam was on the way and Shazam is very tonally different, obviously. So yeah. you had you had this situation where like if, if the Snyder Cut had come out and even if it, if it had come out like at two to three hours. Right. Um, it was it would have existed in a world where these characters were already moving on in different ways they were already like you know they were already on a different course in terms of what they and it would have become ever more obvious that the snyder universe is like a different universe it just doesn't exist so then whedon's right attempt tried to finesse that a little bit more so i think if if the snyder cut doesn't ever exist then at least whedon's movie kind of keeps a little bit of cohesion you know for a little longer but the second that robert pattinson batman movie comes out then that you know that breaks it anyway so there's I don't know. It's just, yeah. I think Warner brothers was, they're damned if they do they're damned if they don't. And it just, it proves, I think there's a little savvy and a little bit of, of nonsense to your earlier question, but I think it proves more than anything else. There is not a Kevin Feige over there. Crea- you know, yeah. There's not a creative steward at a high level for all their DC stuff. And if there's not going to be, then don't make these, don't make any collaborative wow.
1: movies at all. Make them all one-offs Thank and you. just, that's fine. Well, I love that you wrapped up on that. And I I totally agree. Like it is, it is fine not to have Feige or Kathleen Kennedy and to say, we just make character movies, you know, and they feel different. Like that Shazam movie is such a winner, you know? Yeah. And both Wonder Woman movies are among my favorite superhero movies ever. And I, I, you know, and what I keep pondering is this thing that we've, I've brought this up in other um, uh, uh, podcasts where we've talked about comics, which was this thing I read from a comics creator years and years ago where he said, Marvel is a fan's paradise because everything is connected. And so you can dig in and it's all in continuity. And DC is a storyteller's paradise because you take, they, you come in to play with these iconic characters and DC is, Like, is much more willing to do, you know, these crazy else worlds and and one shots and things like that. Whereas Marvel's constantly trying to keep everything in the continuity. And I think Warner Brothers DC needs to just lean into that. And, yeah, there's 17 different Batmans. It's fine.
0: Yeah. You know, whereas,
1: like, if someone else becomes Iron Man as Tony Stark you know, in the next 10 years, there's going to be like uproar.
0: (laughs) Well, unless, unless they just unless it's like a different character is Iron Man, but yeah. Right. Right. right.
1: That's exactly like if Tony, yeah, it can't be Tony, but it's played by, you know, Ryan Reynolds.
0: (laughs) I mean, the fact that they're already saying, look, Black Panther will continue and T'Challa will just die in the universe. It's like, Jesus. All right. Like that. Hmm. They weren't even willing to recast, but you know, an actor who died and like, you know, a perfectly acceptable, like, you know, it's like when Richard Harris died and they had to find a new Dumbledore. Like, everybody's like, look, some people, you know, they're never going to love anybody more than Richard Harris, but we got to move forward. We got to, you know, you're just going to have to deal with a yeah. different Dumbledore. And it's like this, it would have been easy enough for them to cast Denzel Washington's kid. Um, I always forget his name. Shoot. Um. Anyway, he would have been an interesting T'Challa. So like, they're like, no, we're not going to even do that. It's like, if, if you, the actor and the character are synonymous. So if I'm guessing if... Mm. Sam Jackson had ever kicked the bucket in the last three years, then Nick Fury would just be dead. There would not be a new Nick Fury. So I think contractually there cannot be. I think he's like I mean, once he took the job if I'm, I know this is a this is true when he took the job, he mandated he's like, look, the second I'm cast in the comics and in the cartoons, he has to look like me. Like, there will not be another look... Like, all Nick Fury from this point on will look like me, or I will voice them if I'm available. <laughs> and so like, that was... He wrote that into the contract. So all of a sudden, Nick Fury started looking like Samuel L. Jackson across the board. And I'm like, that's pretty savvy, because then you think of Nick Fury, you think of him. It's like, it's all the same. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I think we've covered it. I think we've said enough. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you're still listening, God bless you. Uh, You know, it's... And I'm just, sure just uh, pat more.
1: yourself on the back that, you know, this... You only... This was only a quarter of the time you would have spent watching Zack Snyder's. That's Justice
0: that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got you know if you're on the fence now you know and now you don't have to watch you can just you can go through all the dark side stuff and just watch that because that's beautiful and uh, that's pretty much all. And then you can watch the epilogue and just sort of cry. Anyway, if well, you want to if you want to know more about these kinds of things and you want to hear more episodes like this, go back go back to our archive. You can find all that at panelism.ink. That's panelism.inc, also on Instagram. Um, same handle, panelism.inc, and uh, we'll be back soon with another another episode. We have a, a few in talking the Talking comics. Yeah. yeah, talking comics. But uh, it's been fun to kind of do a, a, a classic Todd and Taylor style episode. It's been a while <laughs> since we've done it. so <laughs> the, You my, know what would have happened my is my if up.
1: we had planned a comics episode, we would have talked about Justice League for 45 minutes before we even got to the comics. Yep. So this yep. was the only way we could handle it. <laughs> Or you and I would have talked for two hours and then hit record on the comics episode. So that's true. Even today you were like, don't, don't even get into it. Let me hit record first.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just in case you never know. Well, anyway, it's been fun. We'll, we'll catch you all next time. And we will uh, see
1: you then. We will see you at another time. That's right.